The Read to Lead Podcast, Episode 44. Hi, this is Ray Edwards from RayEdwardsPodcast.com, and there are only a few must-listen podcasts on my list, and this is one of them. It's Jeff Brown and The Read to Lead Podcast. When you hear your own speech patterns, many times those are self-defeating patterns and we want to shift it. And when you shift it, it's amazing how the stress melts away. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi there, and welcome back to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. We sit down each week with a successful and inspiring author to discuss their latest book and, depending on their area of expertise, their thoughts on leadership, personal development, career, marketing, business, or entrepreneurship. And in this episode, we chat with Beverly Flaxington, author of Make Your Shift, the five most powerful moves you can make to get where you want to go. And in this episode, Bev will share the problem with traditional goal setting, the techniques you can use to successfully deal with difficult people, and why understanding the behavioral patterns of those around you is so important. First, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Blinkist. They create easy-to-read business book summaries. Blinkist has their own app, and so you can take those summaries with you wherever you go, your iPad, your iPhone, or your Android device. Imagine being able to read your favorite business book in just 15 minutes. That's what happens when you subscribe to Blinkist. You get the main points and the key insights from your favorite business books in just a matter of minutes. Now, they've got a special deal going on right now just for you as a Read to Lead podcast listener. This isn't available anywhere else. If you go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist, that's readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist and enter the discount code read to lead all one word at checkout. You'll save 20% off an annual subscription. That address one more time, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, and enter the discount code read to lead for 20% off your annual subscription to Blinkist. Beverly Flaxington, two-time best-selling and gold award-winning author, is an international speaker and accomplished consultant, hypnotherapist, personal and career coach, best-selling author, college professor, corporate trainer, facilitator, behavioral expert, entrepreneur, and business development expert. Can you say portfolio lifestyle? Wow. Uh, Beverly's knowledge of human behavior and the most effective ways to make change happen have helped thousands of people and hundreds of organizations over the years. In addition to being a coach on changing human behavior, she is recognized as a confidence coach and work relationship doctor by many. Bev has created a number of proprietary successful approaches to changing human behavior and helping companies reach higher levels of excellence, including the sales effectiveness model, the five secrets to successful selling, and the shift model, S-H-I-F-T, which we'll be discussing today. She is a frequent speaker and contributor to articles on the subject of sales, marketing, behavioral issues, employee and career issues, effective time management, and dealing with difficult people. Bev is also the author of Make Your Shift, 
the five most powerful moves you can make to get where you want to go. Bev, first of all, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. We're excited to have you here today. Thank you. So happy to be here. Well, implementing change is something that we all struggle with. And I personally like how you've chosen to incorporate the term shift because shift to me feels more gradual, more evolutionary, and less abrupt. Was that intentional on your part? It absolutely was. I think that people chafe at that word change because they think that they're going to be changed or that something big is going to happen that they don't know what it is. Shift feels to me like a much more natural process. We're constantly shifting in response to things. It's more natural and I think less um, scary for people because it is something that's a natural process. Well, when it comes to living the life that we really want, which is what we're all about, what do a lot of other books in your estimation miss or fail to to take into account? Number one thing is what I call, Jeff, the human element. There's a lot of good theories, a lot of good programs, a lot of things that have worked for other people out there where maybe you set the goals, maybe you take certain steps, maybe you um, have to uh, do things a certain way. And it worked wonderfully for the person who wrote that book or who invented that program. But they're not taking into account that for each of us, we're the only ones living in our own lives. We're the only ones dealing with whatever it is we're dealing with. And while we share many traits as human beings, we also have many, many places that were different. So I thought it was so important to give people a framework that lets them be who they are, but still gives them the guidance that they need to get where they want to go. Mm. Well, goal setting is certainly uh, integral to, to getting where you want to go in life. Um, we've talked about that on, on the podcast before, but when it comes to that, Bev says the traditional goal-setting process can actually hamper our success rate. Bev, describe for us this first step in the SHIFT model, S-H-I-F-T, the S, specify your desired outcome and how we can improve our goal-setting. Yes, and I'm a big proponent. We have to have goals. We have to know what is it that we're navigating to. We have to know, as I call it, what does success look like to me? But Jeff, what I have found time and time again, whether it's with individuals, whether it's teams, whether it's businesses, when you ask them about a goal, many times we'll set a vague, oftentimes lofty, a bit unclear type of goal. So I might say that my goal for this year is I want to get into better shape. That's a goal. But what does success really look like to me? We're often missing the specifics. I want to get into shape as defined by what? As defined by weight, as defined by how many pounds I can lift at the gym, as defined by how many stairs I can go up without getting winded. What does that really mean to me? How will I know when I've actually accomplished that goal and reached that level of success? So that specificity (laughs) is really, really important. I may not be able to say it, but I know what it means. We really need to be able to break it down and be really clear what does success look like. So don't stay with that overall general goal, but bring it down to what is success for you. Well, the second step says to, and we're in the H uh, part here of shift, says to highlight and categorize your obstacles. And you say 
that though each step is important, this step makes the difference. So what does highlighting and categorizing your obstacles look like to you? This truly is, I'll say, my favorite step in the process, Jeff, and I think it's because when we're trying to bring about a shift, when we're trying to get to a different place, trying to make something happen that we want, we have been taught that we just adopt the positive attitude, believe in ourselves, and we just march forward and know it's going to happen. And I think that in many ways we're sold a bill of goods with that because while we want to go forward to things that we believe we can do and have a vision for accomplishing, the reality of all of our lives are that there are obstacles. So if I go back to my example of getting in shape, and and this is is a true story. At one point, I thought, well, I'm going to start to run, but I didn't look at obstacles in my life. So I said, I'm just going to get up at four in the morning. It's the only time I have, and I'm going to start running. Well, you know what? It's really dark at four in the morning. It's very scary in my neighborhood. I'm really not somebody. I need my sleep. And so as you can imagine, it fizzled out very quickly. So if I was to have looked at my obstacles, what are my obstacles to getting to this goal? It could be a time factor. It could be I'm not a runner. I don't like to do that. It could be that I need to, you know, that I don't like to get up really early in the morning. If I'm identifying those things that are in my way to getting to that goal, but then most importantly, Jeff, I'm categorizing them. This is not an exercise to say, oh, well, then forget it. I'm never going to get in shape. I'm going to categorize them. What can I control? What can I influence? And what's out of my control? So now I can start to make plans that actually take into account those obstacles I can control and I can influence. Well, a common obstacle we all share, according to Bev, is is having difficult people standing in our way. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no one you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. And we often overlook this uh, issue as well. What are some techniques we can use, Bev, as you say in step three, as we move to the I in shift, identify the human factor? Oh, and this this area of the process, Jeff, is so rich, but let me just focus on a couple of things. Many times when we're trying to bring about a shift, the difficult people that we'll encounter are what I call stakeholders in our lives. So it could be that I want to make a shift to, to, to getting in shape and I want to be able to get to the gym and eat healthy. And But you know what? My family's not on board with it. They like the syrupy sweets that we've been served. You know, they don't want me not home uh, at the dinner hour if that's my only time I can go to the gym. And so they may do things to try to thwart me because it's not in their best interest in their minds for, for me doing it, right? right? So they seem like they're being really difficult. Many times it's just that we haven't taken those stakeholders into account we haven't cataloged who they are, who's going to be impacted by my shift, and then how do I need to work with them differently so they can become a part of what I'm trying to do instead of a force working against me. I like one example you gave in the book of the woman uh, who wanted to lose weight, and she hadn't brought her husband into the loop or taken him into account as a stakeholder, and he wasn't clear on why she was doing this, in fact, felt threatened by it. Yes, 
and this is a common, oh, he actually got to a point where he thought that she was getting ready to leave him. I mean, his mind went to all kinds of things because why would she be all of a sudden taking these steps and doing all these things for herself if there wasn't something else underneath it? And by simply talking to him and saying, here's what I'm trying to do. This is why it means a lot to me. I'm, I'm really trying to do this for you too. She was able to bring him into the process and actually make him part of the process. And this is the thing that we, we find them difficult. You know, we think, why can't that person just support me? Why is this person got to be doing everything to make this harder for me? And yet many times it's because we've overlooked the opportunity to bring that person into the process and really have them be part of what we're trying to shift. Well, step four takes us to the F in shift. It's all about finding your alternatives. What do you mean by that exactly, Beth? So this is one of these things where I think if, we, if we're honest as human beings, this is our tendency, Jeff. We say, I want to fix this, change that, get there, reach this goal, and I know how I have to do it. So as an example, uh, I hate my job. I know that what I just have to do is get a new job right? That's my solution. And then I set out to do it and I do all of this work and then I get the new job and I find myself in maybe even a worse place than I was before. Part of the problem is we haven't gone through the steps before we start to try to brainstorm and find alternatives that are going to work for us. If we don't know clearly what success looks like and we haven't defined it, if we haven't highlighted those obstacles and understood what, which ones really are meaningful to us, and we haven't thought about that human factor, only then when we've done all of those can we start to think which alternatives matter to me? I teach a college class on leadership and we have a not-for-profit come in and they present their problem. And until I teach the students this process, it's the natural reaction. You can see all of them. They know the solution. But they don't know the not-for-profit. They don't know what they're up against. They don't know what they've tried. They don't know why this is the problem. So we have this tendency to say, I need this. Okay, this is how I solve it. Once we have done these other steps, then we can get to this finding your alternatives part that says, you know what, maybe there's not just one way. Maybe there's a number of different ways. Let me brainstorm what some options could be here for me to get to that success level I want to get to. Well, that brings us to the fifth step. T is to take disciplined action. Now, it sounds obvious, but what are some of the challenges, Bev, that we can expect to run into? So this is uh, one of these life lessons. You sit in a meeting and everyone has a great conversation. You talk to your spouse about some great idea you have for the family. You talk with your teenager about all the things they're going to change and do. And then we leave and we feel good for a few minutes because we've confirmed what we're going to do and then fizzle out, fizzle out. (laughs) And that's because we're not really looking at what are the steps that we need to take, who's going to take them, when are they going to take them, how is it going to work? Uh, do I have any investment of time, energy, money? What exactly has to happen? So taking discipline action is that point where I stop and I say, okay, this is the path I want to go down. What does that really mean? And how specific, again, can I get about what I have to do and when? Well, then the book, I didn't mention this before, it's broken up into two parts. Uh, We've covered uh, essentially part one. Part two of Bev's book goes on to cover some of her tips and tools for greater effectiveness in life, one of which is is handling stress. Uh, Bev, what methods do you use to help clients best deal with stress in their lives, both personally and professionally? 
one of the strongest ones I will say is managing the process of self-talk because one of the things that we have a tendency to do, Jeff, is we've got tapes um, or, or I guess in this day and age we'll say MP3s that we play <laughs> in our mind, right? right. You know, it's the, what I've accumulated and so let's say that for example, we're back to, you know, I want to get in shape and I've defined what that looks like and here I am in week three and I haven't been eating the food that I promised myself I would eat. I haven't been going to the gym. You know, we get stressed because then I start to say, you're a failure. What difference does it make? You're always going to be out of shape. Why are you even trying this? What's your problem? And so it's really catching ourselves with these negative messages, whether it's in response to someone else, whether it's in the process of beating up on ourselves and trying to replace those with something that's more energizing, more positive, more optimistic. So that's a, a key area that I do like to work on with people because when you hear your own speech patterns in the way you'll talk inside and outside, many times those are self-defeating patterns and we want to shift it. And when you shift it, it's amazing how the stress melts away. Bev, why is it so important for us to understand the behavioral styles of those around us? I know some companies who on their walls or on their office doors and cubicles, they have each person's disc assessment results so that when you go into a meeting with that person, you can remind yourself, okay, how do they best communicate? What's my, what's my best bet for uh, you know, a, a successful meeting? Why is it so important for us to understand the behavioral styles of those around us? Oh, and, and that's just such a powerful thing to do. We have a number of clients that do this as well. The reason is that when we communicate with someone, very little of what gets understood is actually the words that we use. And much of it is our read on that person's body language, the tone, the pace. So let's say I'm somebody that is very non-emotional, very thoughtful, somebody who really wants to process things, have time to think about it before I respond. And you're a very high energy. Um, you, you, you get stuff quickly. You have ideas. You want to make it happen. And you come into my office and you've got this great idea for both of us. And you just want to get my commitment. You just want to get my commitment. You're not doing anything negative towards me on purpose, but you're making it so that I'm unable to actually respond to you in a way that's going to be beneficial for both of us. And that's the power of behavioral styles. So we can think we've thought this through. We know exactly what we want to say. And Jeff, anyone listening who's in a, a you know significant other spousal relationship, when that person has said to you, but all I said was fill in the blank, and you know they said a heck of a lot more than that. That is the classic example of behavioral styles at work. Yeah, been there, done that for sure. <laughs> well, uh, Bev, public speaking is a topic that's come up again and again here on the podcast, especially recently, and just really understanding this idea that your success hinges on your ability to effectively share your ideas in public. And as someone who enjoys that process a great deal, as I know you do, I'm curious to know what your approach is to public speaking. What's your goal when you prepare a talk and, and, and get ready to stand in front of a group of people? And you're so right. It's, I'm so passionate. But you know what my goal is? It's to understand the audience and give them something that's going to be beneficial to them. 
bottom line is I believe if people are giving me the value of their time and their attention, then the responsibility is on me to make sure that I'm taking a little bit of time to understand who they are and what they care about and then to share something with them that they're going to be able to walk out and say, that was time well spent for me and I got something out of it. Mm. Well, uh, in that this is the Read to Lead podcast, obviously we're all about leadership here. And among the leadership lessons that you've come to appreciate, Bev, if you had to narrow the list down to a single theme or maybe one central idea, what advice would you give? I actually teach a leadership class, and the thing that I say to my students all the time is to be a really strong leader, you have to be a student of human behavior. You have to really want to understand people, have a willingness to listen, and be able to frame your comments, deliver your message, show them where they need to go in a way that allows them to digest it and become part of who you are. So I really underscore so much this idea of caring enough, really being in a position where you care enough about the people to want to understand them and lead them through that understanding because they'll come along and they will do more than you'll ever ask of them. And really all you need to do is show them that you're working to understand them and that they're part of what you're trying to accomplish. Well, being involved in so many different things as you are, you've had the opportunity to impact a lot of people with your work. So at the end of the day, Bev, what do you hope your legacy to be? The thing, Jeff, that's most important to me is to be able, if people say, you know, she gave me tools or a framework or a way that I was able to go and do what I wanted to do, be successful, accomplish this, be who I wanted to be, and and for that person, that they know they made it happen, but that I was able to facilitate that by doing something, you know, giving them a way to do it, that's really, to me, what it's all about. Because I believe each one of us has that power, but we're often not taught or shown the way to do it. And if somebody could feel as though I did it, but Bev's approach, tools, programs, thought process really helped me, that's, for me, what it's all about. I'm curious to know what you might be reading that you'd be willing to share and maybe the impact that those books have had on you over the last uh, few years. Well, first of all, in my free time, I love uh, fiction. <laughs> so I read a lot of mysteries because I'm, I feel that what I do for a living is detective work, <laughs> and I'm fascinated by detectives. Um, but one of, uh, one of the ones I'm reading right now, somebody reached out to me and asked me to comment on, it's called Changing Behavior. It's about transforming relationships, um, using proven communication skills. So that's one I really love. Um, the Zen of Listening, Jeff, is probably mm -hmm. my favorite. Okay. Um, all about really the power in listening. Um, so those are two just from a uh, behavioral perspective that I really like. But I have to admit that I'm just a big murder mystery reader, <laughs> and that's what I spend most of my time reading. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And we'll be sure to put links uh, to both of those, as, as well as Bev's uh, book, of course, and her work in the show notes. So you can check that out there. Uh, Bev, what's next for you? What projects are you working on now that you're excited about and, and maybe want to share with others? 
So two things that I'm really excited about, um, my work has been chosen to be uh, in an, uh, uh, an app that is all about uh, self-help and giving people tools to be able to improve and, again, you know, find their own way to success but by, uh, by using the tools. And so I'm, I'm in discussions this week about being included in that and very excited about that because that would give me the opportunity to reach a broader audience with some of what I do. Um, and then second, and kind of in parallel to that, I'm doing a lot of work to take many of my programs that have been very successful in the corporate arena and be able to make them a little more accessible to the average person so that they're able at their own pace to walk through them um, and be able to use them. So both of those are things that I'm very focused on right now and just very excited because I feel as though it's an opportunity to take some of this and be able to reach a broader audience, give people tools that they can then go and do what they need to do to be successful. Well, I highly recommend the book. Again, it's called Make Your Shift, The Five Most Powerful Moves You Can Make to Get Where You Want to Go. Bev, very much appreciated having you on the show. Thanks for giving of your time today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jeff, and I love the work you're doing, and hopefully we gave some people some ideas that they can use. I hope you got a lot out of our discussion today with Beverly Flaxington. It's a relatively short book, as business books go, about 133 pages, a quick and easy read, but a lot of great information packed inside this book. Again, it's called Make Your Shift, the five most powerful moves you can make to get where you want to go. We've got a link to it in the special show notes page just for this episode, along with all the other links and resources Bev and I talked about today. That's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 044 for episode 44. If you'd like to network with Bev, one of the best ways to do that is on Twitter. She's at Bev Flaxington on Twitter. That's F-L-A-X-I-N-G-T-O-N, Bev Flaxington. The Read Lead podcast, by the way, makes for a great conversation starter. Remember our sponsor, Blinkist, and the opportunity you have to get 20% off an annual subscription to a great service. Business book summaries you can read in 15 minutes. Read to lead podcast.com slash Blinkist and use the discount code read to lead at checkout. And finally, if you could do one thing for me, I would greatly appreciate it if you'd rate the podcast if you haven't done that already. It helps keep the podcast visible and in front of new people. And if you give it a five-star rating and leave a review, I'll be sure to mention you by name in an upcoming episode as my way of saying thanks. To rate and review the podcast, visit either readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes or readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. Well, that does it for this week. I expect to see you next time on the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash readtoleadnation. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Too many broken hearts have fallen down the river. Too many lonely souls have drifted out to sea. You lay your bets and then you pay the price. The things we do for love. Things we do for love. Communication is the problem to the answer. You've got a number and your hand is on the phone. 
The weather's turned and all the lines are down. The things we do for love. The things we do for love. I like walking in the rain and the snow and there's nowhere to go. And you're feeling like a part of you is dying. And you're looking for the answer in her eyes. You think you're gonna break up and she says she wants to make up. Will you make me love you?